I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the podcast. Um, It's been a few weeks. Apologies. Some have got in the way a little bit, but let's face it, we've been pretty consistent here two or three weeks regularly. My name is Howell. This is Jamie. Yeah. And this is Matthew Wandless, joined oh, by the magic of Skyprophone. And, um, uh, yes, yeah, so we go tonight we're going to talk about um, a bunch of things. We'll get through as many as we can of uh, Handmaid's Tale 3, Stranger Things 3, Mindhunter 2, Dark Crystal prequel, Good Girls, Derry Girls, and The Boys. So, girls and boys and uh, lots of stuff. Uh, there may be a few spoilers and um, certainly around Handmaid's. So if you haven't watched the, the latest series of Handmaid's Tale, that's season three, please I am going to spoil the shit out of Handmaid's that's gonna Tale. That's going to spoil the shit out of Because I cannot it. wait to talk about it. So if you don't want to hear that, then just skip through. Let's do it now. Handmaid's Tale. So uh, I've, I've been critical of The Handmaid's Tale on more than one occasion about its pace. And this season, for me, has been very different in that regard. I've, I've had two criticisms of it, really. One is the pace, and one is the almost farcical need to keep Elizabeth Moss in that world, so you'll get an almost escape, followed by a scuppering of that escape. Um, and uh, so I've got uh, only slightly mixed feelings, but this series, for me, has been my favourite of all three. Now let's go to Matthew Wandless, who is il passionate about this subject. Did you love it with all your heart? I really did. I, I, I came back from um, from holiday and we'd sort of let a few episodes build up and we had three um, three to watch and then the finale on Sunday just gone. Mm-hmm. And I thought the three leading up to the finale were um, absolutely brilliant. It was like the, the, the whole thing just ramped through. It was uh, yes. really, really great. After that kind of... Um, that sort of calm before the storm episode where June was um, kneeling by the bed of her, her walking partner mm, mm, and going yeah. slightly crazy. Yeah. And then the, the way it just clicked through the gears and everything started happening and oh, it was fabulous. I really liked it. seeing the fucking um, Woodford's getting there come up and yes, seeing that, so much emotion in that last episode with the kids coming off the plane my god there's an episode um i think three episodes from the end where um the water the the waterfords go around to the lawrences and they make them you know they they make the mr lawrence have sex with and that episode for me was like because i had in the previous podcast i'd mentioned i've been frustrated with this series at times the it's kind of compromised the story and character I felt, but it's such a good show. And it, when it kicked back into really moving the plot along, it's such a brilliant. And that episode is so so well done. Mm-hmm. The way Mister Waterford totally falls apart, Commander Waterford even, and and, and the way that um, she just takes she she takes complete control 
control Elizabeth Moss's character, I forgot her name, takes June, takes complete control of that situation in the bedroom. And then you've got that the wife is 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 it's so tragic her her story as well. Yeah. It's just it's so brilliantly done that. And and then after that episode, every single episode after that is perfection. Like when they get it right, handmade, it's such a brilliant, intense world and such a brilliant uh, concoction that they've created within it of all these different elements going on that when they really get going and really nail it it's one of the best dramas out there and like you said that last episode if those kids had died or not made it if I, Fair probably, I, was, I don't know if I could have carried <laughs> on I was not pre- I, I couldn't deal with the idea of that I was you, so you just signed up to the whole fan club of uh, frustration and said yeah screw this it's uh i i mean i have to be honest with you i haven't watched every episode of this series because my wife took off on her own with it whenever we were doing the podcast and when i was out um so i haven't watched everything uh and that's pleased me just fine because i've uh, managed to keep up with the pace but the last couple of episodes uh we're finally doing what i wanted to and you just said something jamie it's like it's perfect TV. they they know how to make a great tv when they choose to and i think they've made it all along it's a good way of putting it that I think that they've always done what they've planned to do excellently. My frustration has been that they've planned it, that they've stretched it too long. So even when they've been stretching it long, of course it's been excellent. But I've always just wanted things to challenge itself a little bit more in that way that well, Breaking Bad did so well. For example, this next series, we're obviously the writer has said the writers or writer has said that they want the Nuremberg trial of um, the Waterfords. And for me, that that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to keep Jude in that world. That could also have been interesting if we'd have finally given the woman a bloody break and and got her out. But it's almost like, you know, uh, almost like uh, Sam and Diane in Cheers never being allowed to kiss because the ratings will go down. It's that old trope that you knew that she wasn't going to make it on the plane. And sometimes I just go, wouldn't it be but great? She was, never, she was never planning to go on the plane. She could have made it onto that plane. They could have She's just She's never going to go. Airport. No, they made that very clear at the end of oh, last season. Oh, she was going to stay and get some more. Oh, right. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, right. that that never felt like um, a loss to me. That she, I, I knew she wasn't going to go anywhere. And yeah, like you said, it was never it's never really an option. Um, well, even but, if yeah, she'd the, have got Hannah and they'd have got... And we, we went into the trial. What a different series that would be if she was actually able to testify and find the difficulties that come with trying war criminals. That would have been interesting. Well, I think, like, I, I, you know, I agree with some of what you said, Howell, about the, the pacing, but I, I've not felt that until this series. This is the first time I've felt like there's, like, there's 13 episodes in a series, mm. and I'd, I think that they... I, I sometimes think that you don't have to... Like, like like what Game of Thrones did, but they did it wrong, did it badly, misjudged it. This, this series could have been 10 episodes. I really believe yes. that, and it would have been just a perfect package then. Yeah. And I hope in the next series they don't feel like, oh, we've got to do 13 episodes, mm. right? Which ones are the slight fillers? Because yeah. there were there was that feeling in this series at times. And I think if they, if they go, okay, well, we probably don't need 13, you know, we, maybe they will do, but if they don't, cutting it down to like a, a series of like 11 episodes or whatever it has to be, whatever fits the story's needs. Yeah. I don't feel like they did that with this series particularly but it's still a, it was still an epic ending and, and emotional as hell 
But yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Was it, I, was I just gone. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying, Jamie, but I don't know which episodes you could have lost or which parts you could have lost because or just a compression. Me, I, sorry, just a compression, not necessarily losing plot points and stuff, but just just speeding it up a bit so that it be, thirteen becomes ten. I don't know. I mean, for me, I never feel like I'm ready for an episode to end when it. Well, maybe, maybe I do. I feel like I'm ready for it to end, but like if it. I never felt like I wanted it to be shorter. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, but uh, I, I think one of the reasons it works so well is because the world is so richly explored and so richly understood. And I mean, I, I'm looking at uh, the IMDb ratings for the episodes. And, I, I, you know, I don't generally approve of this as an episode guide, but the, uh, I'm just noticing that the, um, the episode where June was confined to the hospital has a rating of 5.9 <laughs> out of an overall series average of 8.5. Wow. And that, to me, is just like... This sort of speaks to sometimes what I um, lash out at you about, Hal, where mm-hmm. it's like a lack of patience with a series. Mm. Because you can't just have um, all action all the time. It doesn't work. And it's interesting that you cited Breaking Bad as... Um, uh, as an example for this kind of thing because for me breaking bad uh, i got very bored with because uh of the of the way they were always driving you towards the edge of a cliff only to pull back from it and then start again the next episode right but it I, didn't i, yeah, I, 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 I got predicted great what would happen from watching that show yeah but uh, but but they would um and vince gilligan's talked about this and it's like um it, they would they might do that, but you couldn't predict what was going to happen next because they would often give you the thing that they were teasing you with. So but I don't care about whether you can predict it or not. For, for me, like plot twists and surprises are, are, will only take you so far as far as I'm concerned. I think actually sort of being able to predict the actions of, of characters because you know them so well in some ways, obviously, you know, you don't want to just be able to go, oh, well, this, can, this is going to happen now. You want to have some surprises, but watching someone get to a place where you know they're going to go can still be interesting. Yeah, it's just, uh, like I say, it just becomes farcical if it just, if the same thing happens, if the same block happens more than three times, you start to go, you start to not only know that it's coming, but it removes some of the drama. So like those last scenes when they're heading towards the plane and uh, all of that, they're incredible, it's incredible stuff, but you know you just know that there's going to be something there and, and what happens isn't a surprise, even though it's done incredibly well. Uh, whereas the, the more interesting challenge sometimes is I think to, to give yourself what you want and then still make that interesting. It's a very TV tool to employ for something that's so smart. That's I don't think I really understand what you're saying. Uh, when Hannah's going, when they're going towards the plane, and yep. you're going, will they make it? Will they not? Will there be a problem? Yeah. Will they not? Will Hannah get in some kind of trouble? There June. Is the, June, sorry. There's no real jeopardy to that in terms of, you know that she's going to get in trouble. And that's annoying to me. It would be more interesting if that didn't happen. Like it, For me, it wouldn't have made the episode any less emotional to you know the real beauty of it is the story of refugees arriving somewhere safe and that's enough for that part in this story after all the suffering it would be enough to make sure that that 
happened and that everybody was well and she didn't have to get shot in the gut <laughs> again. It's like, wow, another chase yeah. through some trees with some men in guns, which is how the whole thing started, which I understand is perhaps some kind of poetic loop, but even so... So well, it's not a loop; it's a progression, and I, and I think like the the way the series have uh, have gone, like with the um, the moment where she almost gets away on the plane in series one, mm. but then is pulled straight out. But she was prepared to leave at that point, yeah. to the point where in at the end of series two, where she's offered escape and turns it down, to this where she is now. She's not even trying to escape; she's trying to get others out. And to have that loop closed by her having that gun at the in in the forest rather than being defenseless and sort of um, the prey of the system for that for that line to be drawn, I think that's I, I think that's good. Good. I think that's good series progression. Well, I'm glad. I am glad. I I I don't know why I find it so difficult to not immerse myself in stuff that I can feel is is um, like Jamie says is is they've gone right we're going to do another series here we need to do another series which is my issue with Big Little Lies as well you know but there we go that's TV you don't make money out of one series that's true as well so yeah. well I think I think I, I don't have a problem with them making another series because I think there is enough still going on but my, my issue comes really from the end of last series and the beginning of the, this series, they felt like there was a real a moment that things were moving forward and things were starting to change. And then they went on this whole, this whole trying to get Hannah back, uh, the, the Waterfords, and it felt like a forced attempt yeah. in a plot to try and bring Han, uh, try and bring um, June and the Waterfords back together, and sort of, and, and there were interesting bits within that, like showing Washington and showing the other handmaids. The world for these handmaids who had the mouths trapped shut, stuff like that uh, was really horrible, horrible and grim, but also <laughs> fascinating. But there was just too much of like, this feels like they've gone, right, how do we get all these characters in the same place at the same time yeah. uh, for a bit longer than it needed to be? And I didn't feel it was necessary, that whole plot, really. I think they could have left that out. What you, what, what, okay, I'm, I'm, and you know, I'm, I, I, that's fine. I'm not going to... You don't. Delve you, into you, it. That's fine. I mean, you, the thing is, there's no doubt that they did that. That's their job is to go. That's the job of any TV series. How do we get these people back together? That's where the that's where the great stuff is. Um, it's just whether you can, um, whether that's fine with you or not. And it, it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be fine with you. I suppose it's just that it's so unpleasant <laughs> that you you ultimately go. Oh God, get us out of this! Please don't put us back in there. Yeah, it's a tough. It's it is a tough world to be in, and it's and it's a brilliant show at keeping you there and keeping you gripped and on the edge of your seat constantly. But when you feel like you're just being this, the stretching a moment out too long or the taking a detour in that world, it's even harder to sort of digest well, because of the world you're in. That's why. I, you, go on, Matt. Go on. I was saying, but don't you feel like that diversion, as you call it, into the the, the whole Waterfords thing with Nicole then trying to mm. barter to get her back? And I thought that the way that it threaded together with um, obviously Waterford being willing to sacrifice time with um, his daughter in Canada for the political angle that it afforded him, 
um, which then in turn pushed Serena even closer to the edge and eventually led to her betraying him. Yeah. Yeah. Made uh, a very satisfying arc for the whole season, even though that appeared like a diversion at the beginning, but it also, I, I just think it all serves the end goal, which is to, to drive the story forward. I don't think when you look back at it, that it is a, di- a diversion as you call it, or a, because well, I, I, I know what maybe, you mean. There are times yeah. in, in a narrative where, where you suddenly end up with a bunch of characters like uh, Stranger Things Series 2 when they had that awful, awful episode where Eleven went off and joined the Lost Boys yeah. for, for <laughs> yeah, half yeah, an yeah. hour. Yeah. And you know, came back looking like, literally looking like uh, Kiefer Sutherland in the Lost Boys. Um, <laughs> that, that kind of thing, I know, I know what you mean. It's frustrating. And it, and like Lost is a massive culprit with that sort of thing. But this, I feel like it's just, I feel like it's more sophisticated than that. It is and sophisticated. It that ties was, together. Yeah, that was my well, point I, earlier, is that the way they do that is really sophisticated, but they're still doing it. The cart is before the well, horse in terms of that. I tell you what, maybe it's not, maybe you're right, Matt, but maybe what it is, is watching it on a weekly basis. Maybe it's that, maybe it's maybe, how yeah. I'm watching this show, rather than, you know, because you can... If there are episodes like that, you can get past them quickly if you've got like, you know, if you've got them on Netflix and they're all just able to watch in a sequence and you can watch two in a night or three in a night whenever mm. or over a weekend. But watching them once a week, maybe that's that was the problem for me. But I that think, doesn't mean yeah. maybe if I watched it again as a whole show, just binged it, I might feel differently about it. You might you might be right. It well, might I, be worth something. I watch them more back to back, so and and I, I don't know if that makes a massive difference. So it's interesting. I got in a debate about this, or the uh, a class that I was teaching over summer got in a debate about it, and this class was a mixture of people who were. Uh, they're mostly academics and fairly smart people from different walks of life and stuff, and they were talking about Handmaid's Tale. And one of them made a really interesting point about this, which was like, it's so good, it's so good at depicting the kind of things that women have to face in the real world in certain countries today, that you are not watching a piece of entertainment, although we are, we're watching... Uh, we're watching a fictional TV series. However, the amount that we invest in it is it's talking politically all the time about stuff. And if you uh, are emotionally completely tied into that, um, there's an element of, uh, what's the word, gawking, gawkishness? Or is it hawking, hawkishness? Gawkishness, is that the word? Uh, I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, people were saying, essentially, if you're watching... If you buy into it to the degree that you're watching real suffering, if you go, this is real Uh, suffering, right? There comes a time limit where some people in the class were saying, I feel so uncomfortable because it's almost like, I know I'm watching this for entertainment, but now I've seen women's mouths sewn shut, now I've seen them hanging, now I'm seeing... I'm starting to go, is it wrong of me to sit and so-called enjoy this? If I'm invested in it, I need them to move it along quicker. I need to get past this and find a resolve because it feels so horrendous. You know, I can't that you have to switch that off at some point. You have to you have to go, okay, I've got to stop thinking about the real world ramifications of this because otherwise I am just watching torture for an hour a week and and it's gone on for uh now what would it be 
plus 30 plus hours of watching stuff that's genuinely happening in the world today. So it was that like, um, oh, it almost, it was almost like you begin to feel complicit with the torturer almost because you're wallowing in it so much because you're supposedly enjoying watching this thing, which I think Matt, you can obviously compartmentalize much better. Uh, is there, is there a degree of that to it, Jamie, of like, you, you want the resolve because this person deserves it so much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably a little bit. Yeah, yeah, probably it probably is a little bit of that. I think it's it, it it is how you watch it as well. And I think maybe maybe I was just ready to see that I, I was expecting this series to be the last three episodes of this series. I thought the whole series was going to be more like that. In that mm. June was going to be plotting, and and there was going to be this whole underworld. The resistance was going to be growing with June, very much focal and an important part of it. Ice. That's how I saw the plot coming with Commander Lawrence helping her, and I felt like, the, the, and that's you know, I'm, I'm not writing the show, so I don't get get to choose which way they go with it at times. <laughs> But that's the way I thought it was going to go for long periods. And but I let's guess I was just say, frustrated waiting for it to get there. Let's just say on the massive plus, what a great gangster she 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 was fantastic once she started she, showing mean, those oh, teeth. There's, and there's some really great scenes between her and Bradley Whitford. Oh, yeah, so Bradley, good. Bradley, just, I could watch him all day. All and day. I did love it when um, also when um, what's her name Yvonne Strafowski's character. Who's sitting there, loving life in Canada, reading the newspaper? Yeah, gets gets a little bit of her comeuppance as well because she doesn't deserve to just get away scot free. And what's her name, Jamie? Say it again. Yvonne Strahovski. Strahos- <laughs> <laughs> Yvonne Strahovski. It's an H in the middle. Strahovski. There we go. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful human being. Right. Listen. Let's let's crack on. Let's go from Handmaid's Three to Stranger Things Three. Matthew has stalled in Stranger Things Three. Is this correct? I, no, no, I didn't. I haven't stalled. I'm just. Uh, I'm taking taking my sweet time. It's just uh, as what I was saying uh, before on uh, on messages. It's just like I don't know. When Stranger Things two came out, I was all over it like a big sweaty rash, and I don't know why. But for some reason, this series we watched the first episode a while back, and then. I think we were so into Handmaid's Tale and Big Little Lies, this totally took a back seat. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I'm just less enthralled with this series than I have been in the past. But now we're back into it and, and we're sort of ticking along at a fair rate and we'll probably watch an episode tonight. But um, As I was about to press play on this series three, I had the same fear. In fact, I went, oh no, they, they can't possibly keep it up. And contrary to that, I flipping loved it. It's my favourite series of all three of them. I think it's very funny. It's a, there's a lot more comedy in this than the other two, and there is. And I, I, I'm enjoying it. But we like we just had the episode where um, Dustin and uh, I can't remember the other people he's working with uh, convinced the little girl to crawl through the air vents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fine. And then they end up in that lift, and it, and and I was just like that whole see everything that happened with the little girl was just like really. Yeah, we've clearly gone. Everyone loved her because she popped up in the first or second, didn't she? And everyone loved her, so they gave her a bigger role. 
Um, oh, did she? I don't remember her at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a really funny couple of zingers, and everyone went, "Wow, who's this three-year-old?" And and I think they fleshed it out, and it probably a bit too much. God bless her. But that for me, once they're down there, and the rest of the series from this point on, for me, is just some of the best situational stuff that I've seen. That's both funny and has has jeopardy. Even down to the costumes. I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the cinema scene, Jamie, and the in the bathroom, and mm. they're wearing those same costumes for the whole time, and just every situation in it for me just felt a lot less um, dark in a in a boring way than series two. And I loved series two, but really enjoyed it, Jamie. Yeah, I, I like this series as well. I I, I enjoyed. I think my, I didn't like it as much as I have in the past oh. because two reasons. I still really liked it, but they're getting older and they're a little bit more annoying now, aren't they? Like they're in that kind of teenage angst age where there's lots of like he said, yeah. she said bullshit going on. And it, they're, like that. they're just a little bit more, they're not as cute and funny for me. You like, like another kids cuter and younger, yeah? Some funny bits in it. Yeah, I preferred it when they were, you know, just sort of the little kids playing the game. And now that they're all lanky and greasy and, you know, <laughs> and just slightly whingy. And so yeah, they're bit kind of pleasant, aren't they? Annoys me. <laughs> yeah, but come yeah, on. a little bit. There's... There's in the... Give them a break, for God's sake. They're only like I'm not saying 12. it's not their fault. It's not even their <laughs> fault. It's just they are getting older. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they've got, they've got to address that. So, but it is it did frustrate me a little bit. Also, you know, they, they, there's a very much a formula to a series now that you can see, and it works and it's brilliant. You know, they have all these different groups of characters all figuring out this conspiracy, and they all come together at the end and fight the big boss. And that's how every series kind of works, mm-hmm. and it works well, and it's very well done, and it's really compelling. And it's a, but I can see you can see the formula now, and it, it it's it's a bit it's a very tried and tested formula, isn't it? And that's the thing that maybe I'm just a little bit kind of blasé about that now. But it's still very good, and I'm still loving what they do. It's very high standard, yeah. high quality. Well, to you know, to yeah. to confound um, Matt's opinion that I'm the uh, idiot masses, I'm afraid IMDb agrees with me on this as well. Which is uh, the favourite series is the third one on IMDb. By a couple of points. So Why does that confound my theory that you're the idiot masses? Uh, your um, episode of uh, Handmaids, people had rated it low. Low. Yeah. Didn't you cast aspersions to me when you said that? Yeah, I I think that would be the episode that you like least out of it as well. Yeah, but you you because don't. you're part of the idiot mess. Yes, that's what. Well done. <laughs> yes, the irony of you having to figure that out is not beyond me. Um, so you said confounds my theory, which means undoes. Does it? Oh, sorry, compounds. I meant. Oh, compound. Yes, okay, right, sorry, that yeah. makes sense okay. now. Um, well, stick with it, Matt. And the other thing that I think you should stick with is Mindhunter. Mindhunter Season 2. Yes. I mean, yes. I've watched Series 1 about five times, and I was counting down the hours. Really? Yeah, I love it. I, I didn't know you it. loved it that much, Al. Wow. I love it wow. to the point that it's like up there in my top three favourite TV series, I think, up there with Mad Men. Wow. All right, we've only touched briefly on Mindhunter before, because I, I, I watched maybe four or five episodes of uh, of, the, of series one and 
I mean, look, sell, sell it to me. What, what, why, why do I need to go back in there? What's so great about it? I don't... You see, this is where, like, I, I kind of... I think it's all right if you don't get it, if you if it's not your bag. But at the same time, I couldn't work out why I, why I kept watching it. And I had to question this. And I, I, didn't, I hadn't gone into DVD extras t- territory on it until very recently when I was awaiting the next series. And I looked, and they uh, the cast are talking about David Fincher and how they make that show and how different it is to make that show from other ones. Uh, he will rehearse for hours and hours a scene and they'll have the scripts way in advance and all the sort of things that actors don't normally get on TV series, they get on this. Um, and the way he works with them is very, it allows them to do stuff, but it's also very puppet master-like. So he's he will just tinker little bits, a lot like theatre direction, he'll tinker with little bits of scenes <clears> and um, improve it. But also he's like that, he's an auteur when it comes to everything from the sets to the costumes. The placement of where the fridge is in the shot he'll have agonised <laughs> over. And someone, one of the cast said, you know, you pause a Mindhunter scene at any point and it'll be a work of art and that's how he, that's how he thinks about it. And that's why it took him so long to make the next one and and I think I can only presume that that's the reason that I find it so um, enthralling. That it's definitely not something you can watch when you've got uh, phones or stuff in your hand. It's not a casual thing like that. But it, for some reason, it just drew me in as this thing that seemed to have such depth to it. And every time I watch it, I see different stuff and I see different themes throughout it. I just think it's so good. As for season <laughs> two. Um, I was slightly gutted because it's really good. The problem is it's on the story of the Atlanta monster. And I've listened to the podcast Atlanta monster, which tells the story in great detail of the search for the Atlanta monster. So unfortunately I literally knew plot points and I knew scenes that were coming up before they came. And it I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted, but it's still brilliant. And I'm on the second time around that now. And I, I just, I urge you. We I'd, had this conversation so before about the Atlanta Monster. I feel like I've heard this before. I had the the waffle on my solo podcast last time, which I know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mentioned it there, I think. But I yes. tell you what might have just sold this show to me is the fact that I didn't realise that was Jonathan Groff in the. Um, and you're a massive fan of his friend Glee. No, Hamilton. Oh, is it? Uh. I did not know that he was in Hamilton. Yeah, he plays um, King George. Right. There's Shepard a King it is. Yeah. I, I urge you to find on YouTube the cast panel when they're talking about working with Fincher. One of the things that Jonathan Groff well, says... I love David Fincher as well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, Seven is one of my favourite movies. Oh, it's just, honestly, just start again with it and just treat it like it's gold dust, like you're paying a million pounds for every second. I don't think I can start again. I mean, so it's, it's interesting that th- this is a show that appeals to you so much because... <laughs> It is very, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to call it slow, it, but it does like, it's as it's intense and it mm. doesn't move quickly. No. And you've got these long drawn out scenes with the, the interviews with the, with, with the criminals and stuff. And the, the, I think the last episode I watched was one where they have, um, a huge long scene with, um, this big, nerdy looking psychopath. Oh, Kemper. Ed Kemper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, actually. I'm saying yeah, but I don't actually know. But that sounds right. Um, And I thought it was, you know, it was great. It was really nice, but it just didn't, it's interesting how, um, 
this can appeal to you in the same way that it does because like some of the stuff that you're talking about with that where you can pause any shot and it'll look like a work of art i think absolutely applies to the handmaid's tale i agree it's i think it, it's I think one of those shows where good. i think the, the costume design and the art design is just unbelievable really yeah. and it's not something i generally notice i don't have a, a great eye like that but um uh yeah it's, it's just surprising to hear you talk about this show in those terms that's when it just is. because you have a very so, low opinion of me matthew that's what it is <laughs> um, no, it, I, I, in uh, the sense that i'm saying you're inconsistent and uh <laughs> and you criticize a show for one thing while praising that very quality in another show i'll tell you how it's completely different because there's n- at no point in mindhunter at no point in this yarn that's being told do you know what's around the next corner and that's what I love. I, th- I think except that you've actually just talked about going through series two and knowing exactly what was going to happen. Well, watching it again, yeah, but the, but uh, I, no, I you can... knew what was going to happen because you watched you yeah, about yeah, a real murder, which you'd already studied because you're obsessed with murder. Which is why uh, which is why it um, uh, frustrated me. That's right. uh, but that's not the TV show pulling. I can't feel the TV show pulling strings, and that's what but, annoys me. Uh, also, sorry, I, I am going to contradict you on that. Like, there's an episode early on mm. where um, Groffy Boy and his butch partner go into some uh, remote police station and they've got murders that they can't solve mm. and all the local cops take against him initially, but then they slowly come around to his way of thinking sort of thing. And it's like, it's it's pretty formulaic. The way I don't think they do, goes. though. I, no, they don't come round to his way of thinking. They do. At the end of it, they're all celebrating him and drinking that's a be- beer together. Well, that's because they've caught the murderer. That's not... Yes. Be- yeah, yeah, okay. All right. But but it, this is a true story. This is a real story. And I'm not saying that it's... I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just trying to point out that... I, I'm, well, I'm just poking holes in your argument. That's no, you ju- are you just trying to figure out the enigma that is Howell Evans's mind and many I've have tried I've given up before. on that long since. Um... <laughs> No, I, I, uh, I get, what, what can I say? For, for one amateur reason or another, I've, I, I get a bit obsessed with how stuff's told. Interestingly, on Friday last week, uh, I went to see Stephen Fry doing his um, Mythos tour, which is where Stephen Fry sits on a chair on a stage and talks about the Greek myths. And he just tells chair, you stories you on a chair. And that's it on the stage, sits on a stage, tells the stories of Greek myths. And it's very chatty and it's very relaxed and it's very great. I think this is a good time to insert uh, the uh. clip of... Uh, my wife actually got to interview him and I got a WhatsApp message from my wife and this was it. I can only quote um, King Lear uh, carrying the body of his beloved daughter Cordelia. Howl, 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 he cries. And I cry, howl, howl, howl. Where were you? I only came because I, I understood there was an opportunity to meet you. And you're not here. I'll just have to make do with your adorable wife. Um, no, it's very nice to talk to you. And I hope you're going to come and see my show. Uh, and, and if not, I'll, I'll never speak to you again, ever. Lots of love, Stephen. That's uh, life complete. Life complete. Your reaction to that clip? I feel misled. (laughs) (laughs) How so? In the sense that it sounded like uh, you had got in touch with Stephen Fry and he had responded to you, or... Oh, please. That's how you made it sound. 
Well, whereas in fact you're just, uh, you know, hanging on your wife's coattails. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <sighs> Jesus Christ! Um, so, and uh, in fact, you couldn't actually be bothered to go and meet him. That's true. That's true. I was busy that day. Um, Doing what? But I went to. No, I wasn't really invited to meet him. He's just being Stephen Fry. He's being polite, isn't he? Um, but uh, very nice it was too. Um, anyway, went to watch him. And it was interesting in this way that I am always hung up on the actual, uh, the people telling the stories. I think that is what's probably most frustrating about my criticism of stuff is I tend to focus on that boring stuff and it shouldn't really matter. But watching the Greek myths, um, it struck me at how many of them, well, all of them really are real fearmonger tales. They're beautiful and they're great, but they're also the beginnings of religion. So almost every story would be something like Matthew Wandless. The god Matthew Wandless got carried away one day and flew, flew too close to the sun and therefore got burnt. And it's all it's all cautionary tales. It's all lessons for us all. And, um, they're fables. They're fables. And they're, they're rooted. And mo- a lot of the entertainment we see is rooted in that. And so when I see a story that doesn't necessarily conform to the sort of rules of drama like that, it really feels refreshing to me because I feel like I spent a lot of my life just working in stuff that's to do with storytelling in some way. So that stuff surprises me. So Mindhunter, where I have no idea what the what, what's coming around the next corner, really surprises me. Whereas when I watch Handmaids, I know that they're probably going to um, smack her in the face again in a minute. And that disappoints me. So that's, a li- that's just a little insight into why I perhaps take issue with those things, but it doesn't mean that anybody else should. Um, and that's why I love Mindhunter so much, is because it, it always, perhaps because it's based in truth, and you've read the book, haven't you, Jamie? Uh, yeah, I've read one of the books that I think it's based on um, a book by uh, an FBI agent called Douglas. That's right. Something Douglas, I can't remember his first name. And he's uh, meant to be the inspiration for a few um, sort of, you know, of these kind of pro- serial killer profile characters, like the ones in um, uh, my, in Red Dragon, the book by uh, Robert Harris, and um, oh right, uh, yeah, and they've definitely uh, conflated well, the- lots of characters into three or whatever. Um, but the actual yeah. the actual story in history and a lot of the specifics are uh, exact. So l- like uh, with the Atlanta monster thing, uh, yeah. So Douglas, know. for example, worked on the. Um, worked on the Atlanta child murders. And so a lot of the experiences are probably based around what he went through. Yeah. And I'm really enjoying series two. I think it's been, I think it's been better than series one. I've really thought that it's got more focused and, um, really enjoyed like the, 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 it's really had this kind of this subplot around agent Tench, his partner and his agent Tench's yeah. family has been really kind of interestingly done as well. And, I do, I do miss him trying to, you know, Ed Kemper though. I wanted more of him, but yes, carry on. yeah, but they're still great, aren't they? I mean, like you were talking yeah. earlier, Matt, about the scenes between, you know, the interview scenes. I mean, they are sometimes the best bits because they're so well written, so brilliantly like played out. And I, th- I always think that the, you know, the, in this series, they've got Charlie Manson in it. Mm. And, uh, that's a really powerful scene. There's a few other serial killers that I've never heard of, but they're still really, really compelling performances. I have no idea who some of these people are that they're, they're portraying, oh, but they're so well 
delivered and so really tense and incredibly you know the acting uh, is flawless and the fact that they're playing psychopaths that are in themselves all very different is just so again testimony to fincher and, and the fact that they've they've managed to do that there's nobody playing general psychopath do you know the guy who plays charlie manson is the same guy who plays him in the new tarantino film Oh really? Apparently. Wow, he's very good. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've kind of watched a bit of Charlie Manson on YouTube, <laughs> sort of like of who he, what, what he was like, you know. Because he had an interview a few times, right. but I thought I thought it was a really, really good performance. So it's just it surprised me. He's got a lot. Of, I like. Find it delicious, sumptuous television. Well, um, yeah, and it's just it's so. I just I, I think we have a fascination. Yes, there is a fascination, and the the the. the show, really explores that like the fascination with serial killers and with murder like agent tench a lot of the characters when they meet other agents or other police forces or other people they whenever they bring up their job or what they do interviewing serial killers the fascination that they show around Mm. that subject we all have it we all and the interviews are just as fascinating as you'd hope they would be you know yeah when when you're thinking about these characters and it seems like they're also mirroring that they're the sort of saying is holden a psychopath as well the way that Holden yeah. behaves, there's a lot of mirroring going on. Does he understand these people so well because he himself displays those characteristics? But um, oh, it's just so rich. Yeah, and oh. I think it's what's great about this series is like you know the following this Atlanta murders and the politics around that whole experience. Like one of the things David Fincher, you know, you talked about um, Seven earlier, Matt. Well, one of my favourite Fincher films is The Zodiac, and that really looks at investigating a serial killer from the perspective of like police officers and sort of like people in journalism and how frustrating it can be and how difficult it can be to mobilize a, a, a law enforcement unit to really investigate and find the people mm. pro, uh, responsible. And this, this, this series goes into that in even more detail, looking at how the city of Atlanta and the governors and the commissioner and eventually the, the, the president of America are, are trying to like, manage the PR around this whilst also dealing with the fact that it could be a black serial killer or whatever it might be. Uh, it's the Klu Klux Klan involved. Some really good dynamics and politics going on in this series. I think it's been brilliant. Because um, you've read the book, do you know if they move on to... Because I'm guessing that uh, Manhunt, Unabomber, is is that guy as well. The guy they bring in from the FBI to do profiling. Did he work on the Unabomber as well? Um, I don't remember... The, uh, yeah, there might be a bit on that actually. Right. Yeah, I think there is a bit on. Yeah, in the nineties, it's a bit more on, on stuff like that kind of terrorism stuff. Yeah, no, there might be some of that in there. But it's yeah, I'll be interested to see where they go with season three from yeah. here. I mean, I've not finished season two yet. I'm still kind of two episodes from the end, but it will be interesting to see how how it kind of develops and and, and where they take it. Um. Listen, for the sake of uh, moving on, let's uh, quick mention to Dark Crystal. Speaking of sumptuous things, has anyone watched Dark Crystal? I've got. I've, I'm going to start it because mm-hmm. I want to give it. I've never watched the film, but ah. I don't think it matters, does it? No, it's prequel to the film, and um, uh, Matt, surely the only reason to watch it though is if you're a massive fan of the film. I don't think so. I wasn't a massive fan of the film. I, I did, uh, at university, everyone had to pick a film director to study, and everyone went for Scorsese and uh, the usual suspects, and I went for Jim Henson, <laughs> and The Dark Crystal was my least favourite, and it, and it was Jim Henson's experiment towards the labyrinth, really, and um, 
and and it, there's it's got super fan club but what they've done with this is i think really you know it, if jim henson would have had the tools then that they have now uh, in terms of mixing puppetry with um uh, cgi and, and stuff it's an incredible uh, visual feat that they've achieved at the world that they take you in and stuff. And it's very mm. fantasy. So if you don't like things that go, well, the, the, the Dothraki of the, you know, it's, it's very much fantasy. Um, but it is lovely. It's just like, if you want to just see something that is just so well made and it's a who's who, the cast, like the next voice that pops up, it's like, who's the, oh, that's uh, Toby Jones. There's Ewan McGregor. There's uh, it's just this like absolute A-list cast doing the voices of it, which shows um, the affection that exists for it. I think. As well. um, so I can't see checking. myself watching it particularly. No, I don't, don't if, really know why, but I'm not drawn to it. No, and I, I do struggle with those particular puppets. They don't have very good facial expressions because they're quite fixed. So I did, that's why I always preferred the Muppets, I think, because they were just more fun. I, d- but I do want to give it a go. There's so much, though, at the moment. I want to get into season three of Glow. I want to watch the final season of Orange is the New Black. I want to watch watch the second series of the Succession, which is on Sky Atlantic. And oh, I think, that, you know, that is my next project, Succession. Oh, I've heard brilliant. such good things about that. Mm, we should it, all have a go at that. Absolutely then. brilliant. Okay, let's all have a crack at that for next time. Um, yeah. Glow season three is annoying in the way that uh, the makers of um, that it's the same makers who did Orange is the New Black, and you know when suddenly it's like oh, there's no wrestling in it till episode five. It's like oh, let's all go into flipping private stories and stuff, and it's fine. But it's clearly not filmed in Vegas, and it's set in Vegas. <laughs> there's oh. just a, there's a lot in but there. Surely you don't actually care about the wrestling in the shows. You don't watch well, that show for the wrestling, do you? Well, I think that the wrestling scenes um, in this one, when you get to the wrestling scenes, they they're the best scenes in that they bring out certain stuff. I don't want to spoil anything, but when the cast get to do what they do, when they finally do have a wrestling match in episode five, it's amazing. It's brilliant. I mean, I, I, but, I thought Glow was average at best. Yeah, fair enough. Um, First series. Um, listen, Good Girls, Derry Girls. Look, Derry Girls we've mentioned before. Jamie recommended it. I just want to say, I agree. It's very funny. Well done. Um, the Boys is a uh, superhero thing that we've mentioned before. I'm getting through that slowly. Has either of you finished that now? Yeah, I finished it, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I finished it. Happy, Matt? I was pretty happy actually. I thought it did a. I thought it did a pretty good job. And I, I mean, it's um, it's sort of strayed in and around the story from the the comics. Um, but I think overall, it's uh, it, it's compelling. It's good. Okay, and uh, Jamie. Yeah, I like I I, I liked bits of it, and um, yeah, I think, I think it's that's a classic. Yeah, it's a good it's a good twist and a good take on the whole genre, isn't it? I mean, it's it's very like it's very much like taking from this feels like a bit of Watchmen sort of vibe about it, and uh, I like that. And the, the, it's well developed. I really like the performances. The main superhero guy, Homelander, is uh, really very interesting. Yeah, I was trying to think. I've not seen that guy in anything before, but he's really good. Yeah, he's and, done lots uh, of stuff, but he, it seems like he hasn't done anything big. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so it's yeah, it's really it's worth a watch. And I think like I am very tired of the whole superhero world, and I like anything that 
subverts it and twists it. And I think you can see how this would be if the superheroes did exist. This feels like it's probably close to the truth than the Marvel films are. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I mean, I think it's a little bit let down by the rest of the cast, actually. Like, um, yeah, I know what you mean. I think. Um, I mean, I don't particularly like Carl Urban. Um, yeah, well, it, what his his accent's a bit dicey at times, isn't it? His accent's weird. I mean, it's his accent's bordering on a uh, a parody. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. But um, yeah. I I didn't think the I don't think the woman who's playing Starlight is particularly good. Um, I in fact I think the cast is generally sort of B standard. Uh, you know, Elizabeth Shue is obviously the the name attached to it. Um, and she's fine. It's not her finest work. She's she's got some better credits out there, but um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a decent enough show, is what I'd say. It's it's not you know grade A thoughtful or grade A performed or grade A shot really. It's just it feels like a bit of an experiment, and it, it, it in one sense I can kind of get that because from an executive point of view, it is a risky ass piece of material yeah. to take on. I'll tell you Just what, by tell nature, you, there is some moments in it, like, like there's a there's a there's an episode. In one episode, they go on that, that they go on that plane. They're trying to save this this plane from terrorists, and I thought that was a really like good scene. That whole scene, the way it played out, uh, I won't give it away, but it's a really like I thought that was really like, <laughs> interesting idea of how superheroes can turn very quickly into the bad guys. Yes, and, but a very good example of what I'm talking about in the sense that, like, that is fucking risky shit to put on TV. Mm. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So Skype's been uh, been risky shit tonight, Jamie. Let me tell you. Uh, um, yeah, yeah uh, right, okay. So, um, hey, we've got an email to read out, by the way, but first, uh, the girl, Good Girls is the final thing to measure i don't know what this is this is matthew wallace's wild card tonight um what's good girls man well let's not oversell it here this is basically i I, i've I've happened upon this show because um i recommended dead to me to uh my stepmother and she (laughs) uh, i I was on holiday with her Hmm. and uh she, she said oh i watched that show you recommended and I said, oh, yeah, how'd you get on with it? And she said, yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and she's been watching Good Girls, not Dead to Me, because I, she asked me who was in Dead to Me, and I said Christina Applegate. And she obviously couldn't remember the name of the show, but she heard the word Christina, and Good Girls stars Christina Hendricks <laughs> of Mad Men fame. Um, it's about three women who, for various reasons, um, need quick cash and they rob a supermarket and from there on it takes on a very kind of breaking bad flavor um i feel like this isn't no you know i'm not going to go spoilerific on it but um what's it on where can we watch it it's on netflix it's all there you know it's a it's it's fairly um fairly high production value show uh the cast are relatively strong I, I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of Christina <laughs> Hendricks, and I love it when Matt recommends stuff. It's so Look, I'm not, I'm not going to put my uh, <laughs> the full weight of my recommendation behind this one because I don't think it's brilliant, but okay. um, it is quite fun. And 
What was that <laughs> sex one that you recommended uh, in this same way? Ah, uh, I can't remember what Bonding. That bonding. bonding yeah. It's really that quite was, good. <laughs> but bonding was more interesting than this. This is okay. pretty standard. Okay. But it's better executed than bonding at the same time. All right. Well, we'll check it out. I could... I can actually see a lot of people really enjoying this, though. I think it is good, um, sort of less thoughtful fodder. Okay, and I, I, you know, I've watched uh, I've watched five episodes of it or so, and I, I, I'm I'm feeling compelled to continue. I want to do a very quick mention to the fact, you know, back in the first few episodes of this podcast five years ago or however long it's been, uh, we did a Mad Men special. I've recently been re-watching Mad Men. I remember at the time I- and since that a lot of people have, um, a lot of people said, uh, including my family, like when, uh, oh, I tried it, but it's just so chauvinistic and uh, it's sexist and racist and stuff. And this was used as an insult at the time. And watching it again, and watching it and I'm going... Oh my god, if that was released now, it would be held up as one of the greatest dealer of issues ever. Because it's not racist or sexist, it's making points about those things really well. How do people not understand that? That's that's one of... Just, I heard it... That just sounds like you were talking to silly people. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's my family. Um, No, I heard it from a few different people, and I think it's, like, so clever in the way that it deals with it. Uh, And now that we are in the age of wanting to say and do the right thing at all possible times, um, certain writing makes that very obvious. You'll get lines like, of course, I can't do that because I'm a woman in the 50s. And it'll be hit you over the head with it. Anyone who hasn't watched Mad Men, go back, go and watch it. I mean, it's just so good. I also think it was almost too too complex. It was it was ahead of its time, and and we're all much better versed in TV and really high production value TV now. And it's oh, it still stands up and beats the rest. It's just so good. What a Mad series. Men is- is 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 in my uh, is is in my A tier. Is in yeah, the is in the top tier of television out there. I've got an email. Um, I almost forgot to read it out. I'm sorry, Vicky. Hi, says Vicky. I was recommended your podcast by my partner. We've been listening to you guys for a number of years now. Wow. I've just listened to the Whoa. long-awaited recent podcast and thought, fuck it, I'll write in. <laughs> Apologies in advance <laughs> for my poor grammar. My English has always been shit. I love your style, Vicky. <laughs> I'm currently watching Handmaid's Tale. I think it's brilliant. I can't decide on what to make of Commander Lawrence. I know it says he's a key member of the Gilead Bad Boy crew and that he came up with the structure, but he doesn't strike me as this major twisted god-botherer. I don't think he intended that woman uh, to be treated so poorly. Vicky. Um, I remember in the first series that it was said that they wanted the handmaid service to be more celebrated and for these women to be praised for producing children, but then someone else saying there's no, there's not time. I think the commander from Washington really hates women. Plus, given his actions and the way he looks at Fred, I think I prefer the company of men. Vicky, is it possible that you are siding with Commander Waterford <laughs> to some degree here? It's possible. But no, that was the whole point. I remember early on, it's like, oh, he does, he means well. They're trying to look after the future, all of that. But then what about all that rape, Vicky? <laughs> um, Big Little Lies, she says. I've finished watching my other, with my other half. It pr- probably frustrates him how much he likes it. It's a bit of a girly program. With the comments about Meryl Streep from Howell, dude, 
No. I came away hating the character, even down to the snotty way she looked. I think we both came away thinking uh, that we hate, properly hate that character just as much as uh, how liking how much she played the character well. I'm not a massive fan of Meryl. I don't have a poster above my bed or anything, but she did play that character very well. I'm glad you mentioned The Boys. I was going to mention it to you guys, but Dent, as it's one of those I watched with no recommendation. Vicky, you can always recommend things to us. We'll probably ignore it, but please do. I found it while having to sit through my partner playing FIFA on PS4 and making sure the controller didn't go through the telly. I don't really watch superhero stuff, unless our seven-year-old also asks to put Avengers on. But I thought it was an interesting concept. I thought it was more realistic about what would happen if we did have superheroes. I've watched the whole series now, and I won't give any spoilers, but I thought it was great. The only thing that annoyed me, the only thing that annoyed the shit out of me, was Billy Butcher's accent. I think the actors from New Zealand, I agree totally. Oh my God, that's annoying. (laughs) His accent just kept slipping back, and his accent that he was trying to do was really stereotypical of Cockney accent rather than it just sounded put on. Um, Anyway, the series goes on and on. And gets more dark, I would say. More so for the Supers and their backstory. Looking forward to Mindhunter coming back. I really enjoyed the first series. Cheers, guys. Vicky. <laughs> Vicky, that wow. was an email. You've been cooking that, that up for four years. Very strong hell. work there, Vicky. You know, yeah. I really wish that next time, Vicky, you could just send us a small email with a small... <laughs> That's a small part of your thoughts so far. Don't listen to Jamie just, for a second, just, Vicky. That was. I just mean it'd be, it'd be nice to get like <laughs> a lots of emails, but small ones rather than one big one every year. You know. <laughs> well, I feel like that was uh, that was catching us up. With, that was like the story so far with Vicky. Yeah, yeah. And I think from now on, yeah, we could do with some smaller, condensed. Um, Maybe even expand a little bit on on one particular aspect. I feel like she's pressed send on that and dropped to the floor like a sack of spuds. Maybe died after the energy that it took. Vicky, if you're still with us, please uh, do send us more emails and um, make them as long or short as you like. And if you'd like to send us an email, I guarantee you we will read it out. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. Studio at theboxsetpod.com. <laughs> Excuse me. We've got a bit of a challenge for next time then. Which is to watch, what was it called again? Succession. Succession. And where can we watch that again? That's on Now TV, I believe, for Sky. Yes. Okay, Sky or Now TV, however you access your Murdoch. Uh, we will um, we'll get to it next time. Uh, any other challenges for next time, boys? Um, no, but just briefly, did you finish? Um, did you finish Big Little Lies then, Howell? No, I didn't get beyond Meryl's first. No, you took of one look at Meryl and yeah. fucked off. Good night, yeah, like an idiot into the wind. <laughs> Go on, Jamie. Go on. You've got ten seconds. Say what you're going to say. Then. I was just saying, weren't you going to go and at least give it a chance? I so did. I gave it a chance. Your yeah, I can't stand her. She looks like Meryl Streep in a wig. In, get, took one look at her and ran off. And I like the fact oh, that Jamie's wow. clearly listened to the last podcast that I did on my own. Thanks, Jamie. Look, I mean, how asking anyone to listen to five minutes of what you say is a big ask. Yeah, but you did, and I, you know, I'm severely impressed that Matt sat through it. But Jamie, no, no. Look, Meryl. She just look. It's just a size thing. Reese with a spit. Nicole Kidman. I watch her in a that thing and I go, yeah, size of acting, size of performance. I watch Reese Witherspoon and I go, if you showed me a clip of Reese Witherspoon talking normally and her acting, they'd be very similar. And I like that style on television. Meryl looks on. 
Meryl's wearing a wig. Well done, Meryl. You got your, you got your part. Well done. What are you going to show up in next? Star Trek, because you fancy a go. Best of luck to you. Best of what luck to you. What have you watched of Meryl Streep that's made you think like this? Is it, you've seen Devil Wears Prada, Just Meryl and Street. that's it. Just Meryl Streep. Just, that's the way she You've is. seen Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Death Becomes Her. Thanks for listening. And, <laughs> Death becomes her. And, and I don't know what else. See, we'll just fade Matt out but there. Somewhere, somewhere, and somehow, goodbye. We will see you soon. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't what a beautiful sound that is? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.